This is Rhodey Radio, Rhode Island Library Radio Online. I'm Nicola Pafoni, the Learning and Community Engagement Coordinator at the Office of Library and Information Services. I sat down with Rhode Island Secretary of State Nellie Gorbea to talk about what Rhode Islanders need to know about how to vote in the upcoming presidential election, along with what other programs and initiatives are happening at the Rhode Island Department of State, including, for those of us who may not be 100% sure, what the Rhode Island Secretary of State does. So I am your Secretary of State, Nellie Gorbea, and I was elected to the position in 2014. Rhode Island is one of the few states that I think has many of its constitutional officers all as elected. So we have five elected constitutional officers and I'm one of them. And the Secretary of of State historically has done what that name sounds like. The secretary of any office or organization tends to keep the records, the keeper of the record. And for a long, long time, the office worked kind of like a filing cabinet for public meetings, for um, the elections information, for business registries. And what I've tried to do during my time as Secretary of State is to really transform it from a filing cabinet to a hub of information. My my position being that, you know, we don't have a lot of money in state government uh, for a lot of things. And so if you're not adding value to people's lives by making sure that they can engage their government easily, uh, then, you know, let, let's send the money somewhere else. But, uh, but no, so we've been really, I think, successful over the last six years in transforming it into this hub of information. And for that, we... The first question that comes to mind for me is, what is different or new about voting in 2020? And what steps have you taken to ensure that voters can safely cast their ballots during the COVID pandemic? In many ways, Rhode Islanders have similar options to what they've had before. Uh, We've just made them a lot more robust, and we've also tried to communicate them more because we are handling this election cycle within a pandemic of a very highly contagious disease. And as Secretary of State, I want to make sure that every person who's eligible can and does vote. And no voter should have to think about, you know, their health versus their right to vote. So we've made it really easy for people to do one of three things. They can vote from home, uh, from the security of their own home. They don't have to be in contact with other people by filling out a mail ballot application and sending it back to us. Now, I did send every active registered voter a mail ballot application. If you didn't get one, check your voter registration because maybe you're not registered at the address that you're at. Um, If you did get one, all you have to do is fill it out, which means check off, the boxes on the reasons why you want a a mail ballot sent to you, Uh, sign it, and then put it in the pre-addressed postage provided envelope that we've included. That will start the process for you to get a ballot at home, and then you can either deposit it back in the mail with a postage prepaid envelope, or if you just want to make sure that uh, you, you, you give it to a more, a more official sort of direct capacity, you can put it in one of the uh, drop boxes that are for election mail only uh, that the Board of Elections has uh, installed in every single city and town. And by the way, you can drop it off in any of them. You don't have to drop it in the same town that you're registered in. So that's voting from home. 
the other two options that you have are to vote early in person during the 20 days that are happening before November 3rd. So from October 14th to November 2nd, you can go into your own city or town hall and vote as you would on November 3rd, like a polling place. You come, you show your ID, you're, given the, you're checked off, you're given the ballot, you fill it out, and you put it into the tabulating machine yourself. If uh, for some reason your ID is expired, or you know, I know now with DMV being highly um, restricted to appoint appointments only, some people have been able to get in to renew their license. And if you, if you don't have any other form of ID, then you can do a provisional ballot. And, and so it works exactly like a polling location does on November 3rd. So that's early in-person voting. This is new this year, uh, thanks to a law that was passed by the General Assembly. I've been waiting six years for it to happen, and it finally did. So about 7,000 voters tried, uh, basically succeeded in using that option in the September 8th primary. And we're looking at a lot more people doing it this time around. And then finally, uh, there's election day itself. And yes, we will have election day, and we, you'll be seeing a lot of plexiglass, a lot of sanitizing, poll workers with masks. You know, I ask that people do wear masks and, and sanitize as they're going into the polling locations, not so much for themselves, but for the, for the election officials. Uh, who are seeing a lot of people on that day. So those are the three options that you have. By the way, if you want to vote from home, you have to send us that mail ballot application that, so that we receive it by October 13th. So it's a lot of dates, I know, but you can either call 211 or go to vote.ri.gov and, and, and get them straight. These changes that you're making in 2020, the early in-person voting, sending mail-in ballot applications to every registered voter, make it easier for people to vote. Are these changes that Rhode Island might pursue permanently? I certainly will, uh, because I think it's really important. It shows that we can run an election where we make it easier for people to vote. And, and for example, early in-person voting is definitely here to stay. That was a law passed. Um, you know, the witness and notary that requirements on the oath envelopes that were being required of mail ballot oath envelopes is an antiquated and outdated uh, provision in the law. We have other ways to check that the person is that person. Uh, and, and so I think the, the pandemic in that sense has given us an opportunity to rethink whether certain steps are absolutely necessary or are they just at a given time period, they seemed really good and now you know, why are we still doing this? Sometimes government isn't very good at rethinking processes, especially in light of new technology. Uh, and, you know, mail ballots, people, you know, some people love them. And I think, you know, they're here to stay. I think you're going to be seeing more people wanting to vote from the comfort of their home. Fantastic. That's so exciting <laughs> to have so many options. I agree with you. I think voting and everything having to do with making government responsive to people is absolutely rivetingly exciting. Yes, exactly. So make, you mentioned that making the government systems more accessible and, and usable has been a mission during your time in office. I just want to say Rhode Island librarians definitely appreciate that. The easy to use resources that you have, the voter portal, um, also the small business portal. We love that. Um, they make librarians job of providing information to the public that much easier, which is wonderful. I think you already talked about it a little, but why is that particular mission so important to you and, and what changes have you seen as a result in the last six years since you've implemented this? All my life, not just because I'm in this position, um, I have strived to make government accountable to the people that it's representing. 
I mean, if, you know, it is, you know, as Lincoln said, government of the people, by the people, for the people. But, but in order for that to happen, people need to understand government and they need to be able to know how to engage government. And sadly, over the last several decades, we haven't done a very good job of either teaching civics or really making it easy for people to understand how to make their government work for them. And so when I ran in 2014, that was really my, my platform. And it's been a joy to be able to deliver that. I can't tell you, like every single week as I go to the grocery store, and this is with a mask and everything, or I was actually most recently in my front lawn at my house and somebody drove by, uh, it was right after the windstorm and picked up something from the road to, you know, to have it be off the road and saw that I was out there and said, Nellie, you're doing such a great job. Keep it going. You know, people, I, I guess I never, I love doing this, but it's been wonderful to see how much it matters to people because people come up to me and tell me themselves, like whether it's elections or when I go to pay for something in a small store and the cashier turns out to be the business owner and she says, oh, are you the secretary of state Nellie Gorbea? And I'm like, yeah. Oh, I'm on your business portal all the time. I love it. I mean, it's, it's great. It's great to be able to show Rhode Islanders that they can have a state government that makes it easy for them to go about their lives. And you, so you briefly did mention civics and civic education. So that's also been a big part of what you've done in your time in office. Can you speak a little bit about any increased opportunities for civic education? And then also, do you have advice for people of any age who want to increase their civic engagement? Absolutely. Well, and, you know, not only am I someone who's passionate about civic engagement, but, you know, as a mom, I'm a real big believer in investing in our children. Uh, and, and so, you know, that's very much at the heart of why my office has launched this new civics and education program for local schools. You know, we've had to go virtual because of COVID, but that gives us some other opportunities as well. And, and we've really tried to enhance our online teacher resources and remote access to hundreds of years of historic documents uh, from the state archives. We've even done virtual tours of the state house and those are kind of fun. I, I'll come in, uh, at the uh, beginning and say hi to the kids and answer some questions. And then Lane Sparkman, who works uh, in our office, does the rest of the tour. And, so, and sometimes I've been able to, I haven't been able to join her at the beginning, so I kind of pop in in the middle. And uh, I always learn something when I do the virtual tours with Lane. Uh, and we've now are, are going to be publishing on our website uh, recorded virtual tours as well. So you know, American democracy is really challenging to people. This is not just because people don't want to be engaged. I mean, if you compare our form of government and how decentralized it is versus other countries, I like to say American democracy is like democracy on steroids. You know, if you move from Providence to Woonsocket, you change the bottom third of your ballot. You go from being represented by one person in Providence at a city council to a city council that's large and there's, you know, seven people uh, that represent you. And so who tells people that? Who gets them to understand? Who do I have to call to get a law changed versus a pothole fixed? So I think we have to continue to, in government, help people understand without making them feel like they're somehow deficient because they don't know this 
that the, the way government works and how they can get the services that their tax dollars are paying for. You are, I read online, the first uh, Latino holder of statewide office in New England. So how has that shaped your work in government and has that impacted your goals for your time in office at all? So first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of that, not so much for myself, but rather for the state of Rhode Island. Uh, the fact that the people of Rhode Island are, are the type of community where even though you weren't born there, you can make connections with people, prove to them what it is that you're going to do, and then get elected as a statewide elected official. I think it's fantastic. And I like to say when I'm, especially when I'm in national forums, I'm like, you know, that wasn't Massachusetts that did it first. It wasn't Connecticut. It was Rhode Island that, that elected the first Hispanic to statewide office. And, and, and so that, how has that shaped me? Well, you know, very similarly, I think that to, to, other, to, to other elected officials who come from ethnic backgrounds, whether you be Italian American or Cape Verdean or Portuguese American, you come with a knowledge of more than just, you will, mainstream, right? So you, you realize that the world can be seen in a variety of ways. And both as a Hispanic and as a woman, I come into policy conversations sort of thinking a little bit differently than the people who have gone before me. So I'm, I'm very inclusive in the way I do things. I try to bring others, including people who I disagree with, because I think that our best public policy solutions come when there's diversity of perspectives, of backgrounds, and you know, around the policymaking table. It's, uh, it's that diversity that brings us to stronger policy for our state. It takes longer to come up with them. It's a little bit scarier because, you know, it's, it's, you're in the public. But it, in the end, it's a better place to be. And we shouldn't be afraid of that uh, in order to get, you know, our state to where it needs to be, particularly now when there's, it's so much, there's, there's such strong social and economic strife. We need to figure out ways to bring people together and, and public policy can do that, actually. I know it seems hard to believe some days. I just have uh, one last question. Are there any other initiatives or news or words of encouragement that you want to share uh, with Rhode Islanders and our listeners? So for this election, other than, you know, the dates and, and making sure that everybody knows that they can go to vote.ri.gov and 211, uh, they can call 211. I want to make sure that, that listeners understand that election officials should be your trusted sources of information. Don't believe what you see on social media on first glance. If you hear that polling locations have changed, call your city or town hall first. Certainly don't repeat and don't forward messages that you see on social media as enticing as they might seem when they have to do with elections because you know you need to really verify that the information that's being presented is accurate so that we don't fall prey to what is really uh, active efforts of misinformation and disinformation by foreign actors this is not uh, you know a tom clancy novel it, it's actually real i wish it wasn't so, so make election officials your trusted sources of information. You have a question about mail ballot fraud? Call my office. We'll walk you through it. We'll answer your questions. Uh, if you, anything like that, that you hear that you think something's not being done right, call so we can have a conversation. You can absolutely trust the integrity of Rhode Island elections. There are hundreds of people working on it as we speak. 
so that we protect your right to vote and that in the end you can trust uh, the results of this election. All of your voting options are safe and secure. It's up to you to choose which one you want to use and just make sure you cast that ballot this year. It's, uh, it's the election of, the, of our lifetimes and it's really, really important that everybody make time to go vote. Just in case you did not catch it yet, you can get all the important information you need, including dates, sample ballots, and your polling location at vote.ri.gov or call 211. If you need a mail ballot application but do not have access to a printer, visit your local library to pick up a form. Thank you again to Secretary of State Nellie Gorbea for joining us during this very busy and important time. And thank you for listening. The music you heard in today's episode is The President's March, performed by the United States Army Old Guard Fife and Drum Corps, accessed through Pixabay Music. Rhodey Radio is a project of the Office of Library and Information Services and is made possible through major funding support from the Rhode Island Council for the Humanities, an independent state affiliate of the National Endowment for the Humanities. Any views, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent those of the National Endowment for the Humanities.